We learned on Wednesday night that God's glory is intrinsic, meaning it belongs to Him naturally. It's essential to His being. And we use the illustration that what water is to wet and what blue is to the sky and what heat is to fire and what light is to the sun, uh, glory is to God. Water doesn't have to find wet. The sky doesn't have to look around and find blue. It doesn't take a match uh, to make an already burning fire have heat. And you cannot talk about God without realizing that he, he is glorious. And that word glory in its original uh, root word uh, means that he's heavy. He has a, he's, there's some weightiness to his person. He's abundant in glory. He is glorious in all that he is and all that he does. Every aspect of who God is and every part of what God does is glorious. And even that's kind of a description that is not enough to describe him. He, even his glory is glorious. And though man can be ascribed glory, that he's a, a great athlete or a great mind or a great person, uh, we can ascribe glory to men, uh, but glory naturally belongs to the Lord. And he, he is glorious no matter what you may think or what I may think or any person thinks, that uh, God is glorious. And though he is altogether glorious and complete, uh, we learn from this text here that, that we as his children uh, can live lives that are honoring to him and glorifies him. Though he's not deficient in glory, that he doesn't need us to be fulfilled in his glory. He's complete 100% in his glory. Nevertheless, we can do things that can display his grace and his glory. And our greatest goal ought to be to, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, to do all the glory of God. And so actually, actually, when we're born again and we're saved, we cannot, well, I thought we were going to have to have some marital counseling here for a second. <laughs> uh, <coughs> when we're saved, we're saved forever, and Satan cannot take our lives, but what Satan wants to do, he wants to use our lives to defame our Lord. And uh, we need to be careful that what we do brings glory to the Lord. So I want to speak this morning about some things that we can do, uh, lives that we can live to glorify Him. The psalmist said in 115, of Psalm 115, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. When we go to the last book of the Bible, 
we find the four and twenty elders fall down before him that's sitting on the throne and they worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. If you look with me uh, back uh, three uh, chapters here in 1 Corinthians, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, he speaks to the, his children. He says, what? It's a kind of a shocking question. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Therefore, you're bought with a price. For, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so we're called upon uh, to live a life that brings him glory. And so what actually does that involve? Well, the, the very first thing that's absolutely necessary to bring God's glory is to, uh, is to be saved, salvation. We cannot, will not, we're unable to bring glory to God until we've been born again. Look over in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. But speaking of Christ, and it says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of the things in heaven and things in earth and things under earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Romans chapter 10 says if we, can, if we can, uh, confess him, if we confess our, uh, uh, my mind slipped. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in the heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Until, until, until we settle this issue that Jesus Christ is Lord, there cannot be any glorifying from our life to him. Absolutely, uh, there is, there is uh, a necessity to, to profess Christ as your Savior. Uh, in, in the book of John, he says that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which he has, who has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and breatheth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And so, if we don't honor Jesus Christ as we honor God the Father, if we don't see him as Lord, you, we cannot bring glory to him. The second thing, and this just implied in this whole thing that we're talking about in, the, in, the, in our text verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, if we're going to glorify God, there needs to be a, a desire, a desire to do so. 
Now it's almost unthinkable that uh, being born again that we wouldn't desire to do so. But our lives go up and down. At times we're closer to the Lord than other times. But there has to be in my, my mind and my heart that He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He's uh, my very life. He's the, he's the light in the life. And that uh, we ought to have a desire uh, to, to glorify Him. I think it's important uh, back there in 1 Corinthians 10, if you'll go with me. Uh, it's a, uh, just an add-on to, to uh, this glorifying him. But in 1 Corinthians 10, part of this, part of this glorification whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, if we look at the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it has the idea that we, we are going to seek the good of others. We like to read 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. But if you look in the context of it, this isn't a context of uh, whether it would be right to eat meat that's offered to idols. And he says in verse 24, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord and the fullest thereof. And if any of them that believe not bid you to feast and ye dispose to go, whatsoever he set before you, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifices, and the idols eat not for his sake, that, that showed it, for the, for thy, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord and the fullest thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged for another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? And we can't go into all the background here, but it basically uh, the, the pagans were offering meat to idols, and the priests of the pagan priests were taking that and selling it to make money off of it. And there were some that believed that, you know, how can I eat meat that's been offered to idols? It's been contaminated because it's, it's, uh, it's ungodly. And others say, no, you know, uh, a New York steak is a New York steak. And, and he was saying here in this passage, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And so one of the ways that I glorify God is being <laughs> accommodating to you, to being submissive to you, to being uh, uh, respectful of you, and not just run roughshod over others. A third thing, and, and we kind of got on this on Wednesday a, a little bit, is that I'm saved. I've got it in my heart to whatever I do to do all to the glory of God. And then we, we uh, spoke about Ephesians 3.21, unto, unto God be glory in the church. And we we didn't have time to go in depth, but we talked about just briefly how that there's no such thing as 
being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the great church and how that uh, oftentimes people, uh, I, I'm, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty pulpit pounding on that issue in the sense that to, to discredit the local New Testament church and make the church that I'm a member of more in your evaluation is to rob God of his glory. We can give God glory, all of us, whether in the church or not, we're, we're to give God glory. But God wants especially his work to be done through a, a New Testament church. Now, the, the fourth thing, and this is kind of shocking as I uh, studied this, but we give glory to God by confessing by confessing sin. Look over an interesting passage in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. In Joshua chapter 7, They went to Jericho and conquered Jericho, and God had given some specific instructions about not taking the animals and not taking anything that was in Jericho. It was all cursed. And then they have another city that's much smaller, city Ai, and they're going to go up and take Ai, and, and not all the men went. And uh, when they go to Ai, and they suffer a great defeat. In fact, 36 men were killed. And God said, well, you know, they say, what's the problem, God? You know, and God basically says there's sin in the camp. And uh, he's going to find out what it is. In verse 13, up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourself against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord of Israel, there is an accursed saying in the midst of thee, O Israel, Thou cannot stand before thine enemy until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by household, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come by man by man. And so they're going to march all the different tribes they're going to find families within the tribe and then men within that family. And God's going to show them who has brought the cursed thing into Israel. And it shall be that, that he, and it shall be, in verse 15, and it shall be that, it shall be that he that is taken with the cursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of Zarhites, and he brought the family of Zarhites, and man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought the, in, in the household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, I pray 
thee, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. That God was going to be glorified by Achan confessing. It wasn't going to remove the consequences of his sin, but it was going to confess that what God had asked of them was right. It was proper. It was just. And so when, when I personally sin and when I confess our, my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, what it's doing is honoring God, it's glorifying God that God is right. That I honor that I am wrong and he is right and I need his forgiveness. And so this confession of sin is, is very proper, uh, not only in the sense of that we would desire to ha- be forgiven and washed from our sin and be made right with God, but acknowledges that, yes, you, you, you have the right to give the orders. You have the right to make the commands. And, and I think it's even going beyond that, uh, that he just has the right, but it goes to the very heart of God and that the Ten Commandments was not given just so God could run us through the, 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 the ropes and uh, like basic training and see how far he can stretch us. No, the Ten Commandments were given that we would, in following them, our lives would be blessed. That we would live enriched lives. When, when we find and align ourselves up with the glory, with the, with the commands of God, we'll find that God is glorious in his understanding of what we need and how we need to live. And so, confession of sin. And I think you see that when David, in the Psalms 51 when David said to the Lord, uh, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou might be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. When I confess my sin, I, I, am, I am justifying, uh, I'm, I'm saying that, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, that God is just in his commands and that he's clear in his judgments. And that I am was was wrong in in what I did. Okay, now turn with me over to First Corinthians chapter six. Here's here's a here's one of the ways that we glorify God that's pretty much been thrown out the window. But uh, sexual purity. Glorifies God. First Corinthians chapter six and verse eighteen. Flee fornication. So that tells me that that uh, when the uh, explicit sexually explicit picture pops up, whether it's on the billboard or whether it's on the on the internet or whether it's some magazine at the store, that I can't just sit there and stare at it and play with it and let it run through my heart and mind, that I need to run. There's some, there's some temptations that we need to run from. And so he says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 
I uh, don't have time to run that out, but that's interesting that it said this sin doesn't just affect, you know, your relationship with the Lord, but it affects your own body. Think about that. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. That we can, we can live a life, uh, I mean, he expands it a little more even with sexual, than sexual purity there. But definitely the context is when I will save myself for marriage. When I, when, I'll, when I'll watch what I see. When I'll make a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a, on a woman. When I want, when that brings glory to the Lord. That how I live in those areas. Okay, now go over to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. See, I think that uh, what I hope to accomplish in this, uh, these, this here this morning is I think we think that uh, the, the only way we can glorify God is we read our Bible every day, which we should, and we go to church, and we're faithful in our attendance, and we tithe. But listen, <laughs> we can glorify God every day, throughout the day. We can please Him, and we can draw the world to understand that He's special in our lives. And... Uh, we kind of approached uh, on this, this gets a different, but uh, we glorify God by caring for others. Caring for others. You know, oh, they made their bed, let them sleep in it. And we can't take away the law of sowing and reaping. That's going to be there. But uh, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, they were, they were collecting money to send to Jerusalem because at this point in history, the Christians in Jerusalem were suffering. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who am present and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherein I shall be to bold against some which think of us as we walk according to the flesh. Let's see. Um, I don't think this is my right reference. Maybe it's 1 Corinthians, let me see.
Where does it talk about collecting the money for the? What? Second Corinthians nine thirteen. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I just got. Uh, okay, I was reading chapter ten. I, I got the right reference. Just got to read the right verse. For touching Second uh, Corinthians nine, for touching the ministry to the saints, it's superfluous to, for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia and Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal would have provoked very many. And so he said, you know, I've been bragging about you to the other churches and other regions, how that you are ready to give the money. Yet I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that I said, ye may be ready. And so he said, get ready. You know, I've been saying that you, you're collecting money for the saints in Jerusalem. And he, and he says, get it ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed in this confident boasting. He says, so he said, we've been boasting about the fact that you're going to take up an offering, but if I come to you and some of the brethren are accompanying me with this money to go to Jerusalem, and they see that you've not even taken up an offering yet, I'm going to be ashamed because I've been bragging on you. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they should go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you are noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as, as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according to his purpose in his heart shall so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And so he says, God will take care of you. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, and he hath given to the poor, and his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth the seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to the God. And so he says, by your giving this money, it's going to cause thanksgiving to God. And he says, uh, for the ministration of this service, not only supplieth the one of the saints, it's going to give the need to the saints in Jerusalem, it's going to meet that need but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. That these people are going to, that when you get the money, they're not going to know who gave what. They're just going to know that the church there in Macedonia and the church here in Corinth sent them some money. And they're not, they're not, going, to say, they're not going to say, Lord, I thank you for Brother Jones that he sent this money. No, they're going to say, thank you, Lord. For taking care of us. And, this what he, and, and that's what he gets at in verse 13. While by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And so uh, it may be at times when you feel like, uh, you know, you're with a friend or 
uh, a fellow church member or just another person, uh, you may feel like that you need to get into your billfold and give them some money or say, let me pay for this gas or let me buy you this, this sandwich. But let me encourage you, uh, when it comes to greater things, let's say that somebody in our church is really struggling, they've lost their job and they can't find one, and, and that you give that money to the church and designate it to that person. And in the end, uh, God will get the glory. And, and, and so, caring for others. That God, God is uh, pleased when we give uh, to others. All right. Along this same line, in, in Matthew chapter 5, In Matthew chapter 5, um, we'll just kind of extend this on out here, uh, caring for others. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light show, shine, uh, I have trouble saying S sounds, so don't laugh at me. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That uh, we can let our light shine before unbelieving relatives and friends uh, by serving them. It seems to me that uh, from when I was born, you know, back in ancient history, up until today, that we've become more and more and more disconnected with people, and more and more connected to our cell phones. And uh, we do not look for opportunities to serve others. We don't want to have the pain in the rear by messing with them. By being cheerful. We, they see our good works by not grumbling when we don't get our way. We can let our light shine before our children by serving our spouse. By saying, you know, Come in, you're hungry, you've been working all day, sit down at the table, why isn't, why isn't my food here right now? And uh, forgetting how long it took her to prepare that, and you gobble it down, I'm talking to the men now, <laughs> you gobble it down in five minutes or less, depending on whether you're a Labrador dog or a, or a beagle. Beagles can, Molly can finish her food every time, at least a minute before Jane does. Beagle. Well, and never say thank you. Thanks, Susie, for that meal. And even, <laughs> uh, I'm talking about myself, and even not getting it when she said, how did you like that? And I, oh, it's okay. Well, there was a new recipe I tried. 
And, uh, you know, that's your job. Just do your job and give me my food. Well, let our light shall shine before men by demonstrating thankfulness and patience and love and forgiveness. And I'm glad that Susie is not here this morning. She's teaching a class. Uh, we can let our light shine before our co-workers by not uh, joining in with the office gossip, by not joining in with their favorite pastime on the job. You know what their favorite pastime is? You can be sucked into it really easy. Grumbling about the boss. You know, you just don't get it, that boss. And then join in with coworkers. Say, I don't know why, why they, you know, I don't know why they're doing that. We need a raise. Let's go and let's go strike. Well, let's see your good works by looking for ways to serve your uh, fellow workers. Here in chapter five, if you go on down to verse 41 and 42. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with them twain. Give to him that seeketh thee, and of him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Good works. Look over in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. having your conversation, that is, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised dominion forever and ever. The key phrase in verse 11, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. And then it will glorify the Lord and they'll say, I don't see how you can do this. Why are you doing this? How can how how come you how come you're so uh, unruffled about what's going on here? And you can say, well, it isn't because <laughs> uh, it is because of who I am, but it's because of what God has made me. That I can't do this in my own energy, but I'm doing it in the energy of the Spirit of God. And he and God is glorified because uh, I know you guys aren't like this, but I don't have a natural inclination to serve you. I don't want to. And. Uh, I think most of you are like that. Uh, 
I want to serve myself. But God calls on us to serve. So I ask him for strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our unbelieving relatives, our unbelieving neighbors, our co-workers, fellow students if you're schooled, they want to see if Jesus has really changed us. There are all kinds of ways we can do this. It might be simply by offering to get your neighbor's mail when they're gone, or going over and helping your neighbor shovel his driveway after snow. But doing whatever good you can, wherever you can. And not, of course, in order to earn our salvation or to earn merit with God, but because we ought to display the fact that he changed us. And so, caring for others. All right, we'll probably go rapidly here for a second. Huh? Okay. John 14. John 14 and verse 12. There was a missionary by the name of Milton Martin who went to Mexico back in the 60s, went to southern Mexico. God led him to a certain Indian group in Mexico, and he started churches there, and then those churches started churches, and well over 100 churches have resulted from his ministry. He was a great man. He preached here years ago. Um, many of you, maybe my children know him, and Pastor Dimlo knows of him. But uh, he had a great vision for indigenous missions. But this was one of his favorite verses, uh, verses, passages. And he challenged, he challenged many a person with these verses. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Now that's, uh, that verse says, oh yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's something to think about. Oh, he said that we have the ability to do greater things than he did when he was here for three and a half years. That's what he said. And he says, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And of course we know that the parameters of that, that we can ask a misc to consume her own self. But God is glorified by us asking more than God give us traveling mercy. Lord, bless the missionary. That we ask specific things 
that we take this up as a challenge. Do we believe that? Well, prayer brings um, glory to God. It's not just a work. It's not just a burden. It's not just a need. But it's a way, you know, when I was little and my kids would come to me and their toy would be broken and they say, Daddy, uh, can you please do something with this? You know, I'm big stuff in their eyes. And God doesn't be, need to be made big stuff. He, he, knows he's, he knows who he is. But he wants us to believe in him. And it honors him. And it brings glory to him. For us to pray, asking him to do great things. Uh, I got to hurry here. Second Thessalonians three and verse one. Second Thessalonians three and verse one. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of God. And he says that when the, the word of God going forth glorifies God. The giving out the gospel is not only necessary for people to be saved, but it brings glory to God. And basically that was what our, the message on Wednesday was all about. The, the deepness of God's glory was what God said of himself. That he was gracious. And all those things that we talked about. And then in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 10. Philippians 4.10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So he said, before you cared about me, but you didn't have the money to send to me, but now it's flourished again. Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, there worth to be content. It's not like I'm done in you for money. The Lord has taken care of me, but I appreciate what you said. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound, that where that everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so Paul was glorying in what God had sent him. And if you get down to when it goes all through this, it talks about Epaphroditus coming and how what he gave was a sweet order to the Lord. And he says in 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul, he was saying that I glorify God in just being content with what I have. Well, we're always discontent. I got to have this. I got to have this. You know, my life this is, it doesn't mean nothing until I obtain this. That's not God honoring. But when I'm content, I glorify God. And 1 Peter 4.16. 1 
1 Peter 4, 16. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Persecution glorifies God. In Psalms 86, it tells us that we glorify God by thanking him, being thankful, and praising him, that uh, God is honored, that God is glorified. And so, uh, hopefully, you see that it's not that difficult to fulfill our text verse, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do. You see, he's saying even down to the very basic things of life, we can give God glory in our eating. We can give God glory in our drinking. But the flip side of that may be we can dishonor God in our eating and we can dishonor God in our drinking, particularly when we say, like uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I've got myself, I got all this for myself. You know, I did this. And we may find ourselves losing our mind and eating grass. <laughs> Vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> You're dismissed.